Heavenly Father, we ask again that you would show mercy to us and send your Holy Spirit now so that we may rejoice in your promises. May we rejoice in your promises like ones who find great spoil, great treasures. Oh, Lord, we have such treasure before us, but our hearts are not rejoicing as they should. Lord, we pray that as we look at the treasures before us this morning, that we would rejoice because your Holy Spirit gives us that fruit of the Spirit, which is joy. And we pray this in his name. Amen. Well, this morning we are looking at this passage in Acts chapter 2 because it is indeed Easter Sunday and we're remembering the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is spoken of clearly in this passage, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Uh, Acts chapter 2 is a very famous passage in Scripture because it is the day of Pentecost. So the Lord Jesus has come, he's exercised his ministry, and then he has died, he has been raised to life, and then he has ascended into heaven And the apostles are to remain in Jerusalem until the gift is given to them that the Lord Jesus promised, which is, of course, the Holy Spirit. And this day of Pentecost is when the Holy Spirit comes upon the apostles and they're able to speak in other languages and people are disturbed by what is happening uh, on this day of Pentecost as the apostles are preaching. And here we have this wonderful address from Peter himself. A sermon is given by the Apostle Peter, and in it he speaks of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. He speaks of it particularly in verse 24. In verse 24, we read, But God raised him, that is Jesus, from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. And this is the verse that I want to focus on this morning, on this Easter Sunday. What has God done for the Lord Jesus? Well, we read that God raised him from the dead. What has God done in raising him from the dead? Well, it explains there in verse 24 that he has freed him from the agony of death. Word translated freed there could also be translated loosed, that he has loosed Jesus from the agony of death, from the pains of death. What sort of pain is this? Well, this is where mothers have an advantage, or maybe you could say a disadvantage here, that this word pain here, this word agony, is usually used to refer to the pains of childbirth. So basically, I think the Bible is affirming that childbirth is probably the most excruciating pain you can experience when it puts it here with that it is the pain of death. And I'm sure if you speak to some mothers, they may feel say, yes, I felt like I was dying when I was giving birth. But that is what Jesus has been freed from, this agony of death. Now, why was Jesus freed from the agony of death, from the pains of death? Why was he raised to life? Well, verse 24 tells us, God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. It was impossible for death to keep, to grasp, to arrest Jesus in its, cla- in, its, uh, in its clasp. It was impossible for it to keep its hold upon him. Now, why is it impossible for death to keep its hold upon the Lord Jesus? Well, Jesus was the Messiah. Jesus was the Messiah. He was God's Christ. And so it was impossible for the Messiah to be kept in the grave. And the Apostle Peter tells us this. In verse 22, he sets up how it is possible that Jesus came back to life, or we could say the reverse, how it was impossible that he would stay dead. Verse 22 says, Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. 
This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. He was a man accredited by God. He was the Messiah. And so it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Now, why do the miracles, why does the fact that Jesus was the Messiah mean that it was impossible for death to keep its hold upon the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, the miracles of the Lord Jesus point to his, his uh, position as Messiah, and they point to the fact that he was the sinless Lamb of God. As the Messiah, he is God's Lamb, and he was a sinless Lamb. I love the man in John chapter 9 whose eyes are uh, are healed by the Lord Jesus. And what does he say about the miracles of the Lord Jesus? When the Pharisees are questioning him and saying, who is this man who opened your eyes? What does he say? We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly man who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And we have this again and again pointed to us in the, in the Gospels, that because of the miracles of the Lord Jesus Christ, we can know he is God's Messiah. He is the sinless Lamb of God. And so therefore, it is impossible for the grave to keep its hold on him because he is sinless. You may be saying, well, how does the fact that Jesus is sinless mean that it is impossible for him to stay dead? What does sin have to do with death? Well, the Bible tells us that sin equals death. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. If Christ is sinful, then he deserves to die and stay dead. But as Christ never sinned, it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. He is sinless. The wages of sin equals death. If he does not have sin, then he does not die. It is impossible for him to to be held by death. But you may say, well, how was, did he die at all? How was it possible for sin to ever get its clutches upon him? Well, the Bible tells us that Jesus became sin. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, 2 Corinthians 5.21. Apostle Paul tells us that Jesus became sin and therefore he died because he became sin. Sin was put upon him and so therefore he died. So how then could Jesus come back to life? Yes, he did not sin personally, but if sin was imputed to him, put to his account, then why did he not stay dead? Well, it's because he paid the penalty for the sin that was imputed to him. He paid the penalty that we deserve for our sin. At the cross, Jesus was bearing the wrath of God for sin. The hellish wrath that sin deserves, was poured out upon Jesus. According to Acts 2.24, the closest we can even consider to that is the pain of childbirth. Thankfully for us men, we get off from that. But this is the pain. It's trying to have us understand something of the agony that Jesus went through. And that's the physical pain. But then you've got the spiritual pain of the wrath of God being poured out upon Jesus. And so Jesus was able to rise again because he paid that penalty for sin. So what does Christ's work mean? It's impossible for the grave to keep on grasping, arresting Jesus Christ. Bliss's hymn summarises the truth so well. 
We don't actually sing this hymn. I'm not sure why. I need to speak to Ray afterwards. It says, Lifted up was he to die. It is finished was his cry. Now in heaven exalted high. Hallelujah. What a saviour. No, we do sing that one, actually. Sorry. Uh, I've offended Ray over there. I've got another hymn that I'll quote in a minute, which is the one that we do not sing, but that I sang as a child. But it's true. Bliss is him, which we do sing, and so you should know it well. Lifted up was he to die. It is finished was his cry. Penalty for sin paid for. Now in heaven exalted high. Hallelujah. What a saviour. So Jesus could not stay dead. He had to come back to life because it is finished, was his cry. It's as though Jesus was arrested by the death police as a criminal. Not for his own criminal actions, but for the criminal actions of others. But after Jesus did the time, the doors to the prison swung open and he was released. It was impossible for him to stay in jail and for justice to be maintained because there were no outstanding crimes against him. Because... The crimes were all paid for. The world says it is impossible for Jesus to rise. What does the scripture say? It's impossible for him not to rise. So many people out there are saying it's impossible that a man could come back to life. That you say Jesus came back to life, that man so many years ago. It was impossible. It's impossible. No one comes back to life. The Bible says it is impossible for him not to come back to life. Because it is finished. The sin that was put upon him is finished, done with. And so, of course, he had to rise. As Lowry's hymn says, Death cannot keep its prey. Jesus, my saviour, he tore the bars away. Jesus, my Lord. Death cannot keep its prey. Jesus, my saviour, he tore the bars away. Jesus, my Lord. Now, you may be saying that's great for the Lord Jesus Christ. What about us? Do we suffer the agony of death? Do we suffer the pains of death? Well, we do. The pains of death begin upon us from a very young age. One of the first things that you notice about the pangs of death, that death has, its, has its in you, you in its clutches, is the wrinkles that start to begin. You just think of death and you think of the grave and gradually our bodies are being pulled down into that position in the grave and the wrinkles are the first sign that everything's descending downwards. And then what happens? Well, the, the spinal cord starts to contract and you get a little bit lower. It's a funny thing. When you're younger, you grow up and when you get older, you grow down. You're starting to descend into the grave. And then you get to a point where your legs stop lifting you up any longer. And you're lowered even further down into a chair. Maybe you've got a wheelchair and you can be pushed around so you're not in stationary like you would be in the grave. You're still getting out and about, but you're a little bit closer to the grave. And then what happens? Well, eventually you can't sit and you're lowered into a bed. And you may be able to still lift your arms, defy gravity... Keep out of the grave with your arms, but what gradually happens, you can no longer feed yourself. Your arms can no longer lift. They get closer to the grave. And then what happens? Your chest, your lungs can no longer lift. And they descend to the grave and you stop breathing. And then that body that you preened for years 
and washed and perfumed and exercised so that the muscles are all nice and toned, it falls to dust inside your coffin, gradually, gradually getting lower to the ground. And what about your soul? Well, it's arrested and held for eternity, punishment in hell for the sin that you've committed against the holy God. The hold, the arrest by death for us can be rapid or it can be slow as we struggle against it. But we can't beat death, no matter how hard we struggle. It's like a mother trying to stop her labour. Keep the baby in. No, she can't. It has to come out. It's the same with death. You can't stop it. You may struggle against it, but you can't. We may be like a criminal who's arrested very quickly. He's caught off guard. And suddenly, you're dead. There's others who fight off the death police. A couple of officers come, they fight them off. But then what happens? Well, the riot police show up. And then if you fight off the riot police, what happens? Well, the federal police come along, and you might be able to fight them off. And then what happens? The army comes with its soldiers and its tanks and its weapons, and gradually you're overcome. You may have struggled, but it's just a matter of time before you're jailed for eternity in hell. It's horrific to consider the agonies of death, the pains of death, and rightly so. Everyone is horrified to hear about death. Everyone's horrified to hear about death and the punishment that we deserve for our sin. People who don't even believe in hell hate hearing about death and the judgment to come. Why is that? They say they don't believe in the place, yet they get really ticked off when you mention hell. People who say we're just animals, they don't die like animals, they're fearful. An animal, a a dog that's dying, it just lies down and goes to sleep, basically. It dies without the horror of death. But a person who says we're just animals still is afraid of death. Why is that? Because deep down we all know that hell is real and we deserve punishment after death. All humans know and so therefore all humans are afraid. Why do we know that the agony of death and hell that is to come after death is true? Because we all know we are sinners. We all know we're sinners, that we've done wrong. We know we're sinners because of our original sin, which is our first parents, Adam and Eve, sinned against God, and because we are their descendants, their, their, their guilt, their sin, is imputed to us. We are descendants of them. They're our federal heads, and that's what the Scriptures teach. Romans five twelve says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, in this way death came to all men, because all sinned, all sinned in Adam. He was our representative. So we all know we're sinners, so therefore we know that we deserve that punishment to come. And it's not just original sin that we have. What else do we have? We have our own actual sin. We have committed crimes against God himself. Romans 3.10 says, There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. Yes, Adam turned away, and we in him, and then we ourselves have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. We are all sinners. There is a death warrant, therefore, upon our heads. 
because we are all sinners. The sting of death is sin. Why do we fear death so much? What's the sting in death, the the venomous tail of the scorpion in death? Well, it's sin. The power of sin is the law. We know the law. We know what is right. And we find ourselves going against the law. And therefore, we know we are sinners and deserve death and the eternal death in hell. So anyone who is not afraid of death is kidding themselves. They're putting off the thought as much as possible. But death is not a horror for some. Death is not a horror for some. For whom? For those God has promised to raise from the dead. 1 Corinthians 6.14 says, By his power God raised the Lord Jesus from the dead. And he will raise us also. How is that possible? How can he raise other people also? Aren't we all sinners and therefore we should all be afraid of death? Isn't God unjust then to raise people who are sinners? Can he let some sinners go free from punishment in hell after death whilst jailing others? If we are all unrighteous, there is no one righteous, not even one. But remember... Jesus was released from death. Why? Why did God loose him from death? Why did he set him free from death? Because the sin that was on him was paid for. Now, where did that sin come from? What does that sin have to do with us? Well, if we trust in Jesus, that sin that was on him, that he became sin, that sin was our sin. 1 Corinthians 15.3 says, Christ died for our sins. That sin that he cried, it is finished about, that the wrath that that sin deserved was finished with, was our sin if we trust in him. Which means what? Well, we will be released from the agony of death just as Christ was. Why? Because the debt that we owe God because of our sin is paid for and justice is met. God frees believers from the agony of death, because it is impossible for death to keep its hold on them. Look with me at verse 24. What does it say about the Lord Jesus? God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. We can flip this verse and describe ourselves in it. Look with me at it again. But God raised us from the dead, freeing us from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on us. It is actually impossible for death to keep its hold on people whose sin has been paid for at the cross so many years ago. In fact, it would be unjust of God to send people whose sin was paid for at the cross to hell. Why? Because the sin is paid for. He could not put someone in hell whose sin has been wiped away. We understand in Romans 8, verse 1, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so therefore they're set free from the law of death. This is part of the reason that I don't believe in what some people call unlimited atonement. That when Jesus was at the cross, he was bearing the sins of everybody in the whole world. Every individual person, he bore their sins on the tree. If that is true, then no one should be in hell. 
If you proclaim unlimited atonement, you must proclaim universal salvation for everyone because it would be unjust of God to put people in hell whose sin was paid for by Jesus Christ. It cannot be. Jesus paid for the sins of his people. And those people experience the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Those are the people who will be raised to life. So although we all died in Adam, believers will all be raised in Christ Jesus. 1 Corinthians 15 again says, For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. Death came through one man, Adam. But resurrection comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in his own turn. Christ the firstfruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. Jesus is the firstfruits of the resurrection of the dead. Then all those who are in him, who belong to him, will be raised to life. What does this mean? Well, our souls will never be tormented with death in hell, the second death. And our bodies may succumb to the grave if Jesus tarries and does not return. But what will happen one day? The dust will reassemble and our bodies will rise again. The dust will come back and make bones and flesh. Your lungs will breathe again. You will lift up your arms. You will raise your body on your legs and you will stand never to die again. This process is described for us in Isaiah chapter 26. Your dead will live, their bodies will rise. You who dwell in the dust, wake up and shout for joy. Your dew is like the dew of the morning. The earth will give birth to her dead. That's what's going to happen when Jesus returns. The earth, the dust of the earth will give birth to her dead. So the horror of death is gone for believers in Christ Jesus. It's a horrific thing to consider your death, to be troubled about your death and the punishment to come. It's a true thing to consider, but it's a horrific thing to consider. But it's gone for those who are in Christ Jesus. We can even welcome the arrest of the death police if we're a believer in Jesus Christ. I'm ready to go to a better place, we say, when we consider death. And that's what the Apostle Paul says. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. To die is gain for the Apostle Paul. Why is that? Because he knows that he's going to a better place when he dies. It's not a horrific thing for him to die. It's a thing of gain for the Apostle Paul. So why would we stay? Why do we stay in this world? Well, the Apostle Paul answers that in that same passage. He stays because he wants to serve others. He wants to serve those at the command of the one who has set him free from the power of death. He says in Philippians 1.22, If I'm to go on living in this body, this will mean fruitful labour for me. That's why he stays, fruitful labour for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ which is better by far, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I'll continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith so that through my being with you again, your joy in Christ Jesus will overflow on account of me. He's torn. He knows the better choice. Die. But he's not going to commit suicide, do something daft and break God's law by breaking the sixth commandment. He's going to stay. As long as the Lord who set him free from death wants him to, 
to serve others so that others will rejoice in Christ Jesus. So are you afraid of death this morning? Are you afraid of death? If you've never trusted in Jesus Christ, then you should be afraid of death. Why? Because God will not raise you from the dead. God will not free you from the agony of death. Why? Because it is possible for death to keep its hold on you. Why? Your sin remains. This verse here is not a promise for you. This verse tells you what will not happen for you. God will not raise you. Look with me at verse 24. If you're an unbeliever, this is what is true. Verse 24, but God will not raise you from the dead. God will not free you from the agony of death because it is possible for death to keep its hold on you. Why? Because your sin is not finished with. It is finished was his cry. That's for those who believe in Christ Jesus. Your sin still needs to be paid for with eternity in hell. But you don't have to be afraid anymore. Trust in Christ Jesus. Trust in Jesus Christ. Be raised in Christ Jesus. Trust in Christ and say with other believers what we read in Psalm 116 at the beginning of the service. That wonderful psalm where it says, I love the Lord for he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy. Because he turned his ear to me, I will call on him as long as I live. Why do I want to call upon the Lord as long as I live? The psalmist says, the cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave came upon me. I was overcome by trouble and sorrow. Then I called on the name of the Lord. O Lord, save me. The Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. The Lord protects the simple-hearted. When I was in great need, he saved me. That's what the believers here this morning echo. And that's what I want you to echo as well. If you're outside of Jesus Christ, pray the prayer of Psalm 116 there. Oh, Lord, save me. You don't have to pray an elaborate prayer. Save me. And if it's genuine, from the heart, out of a fear of death and the judgment that you deserve, you cry to God for salvation. He will save you. He promises to save all those who call upon his name. And so therefore, you can then echo this psalm and talk about the compassion and the love of God. And if you are a Christian and you're here this morning, my encouragement to you is to keep on meditating upon Christ's resurrection, not just on Easter Sunday. It's great to one day of the year to particularly have that focus, but we need to focus on the resurrection of Jesus Christ again and again and again. Why? Because it reminds us of our resurrection. Our resurrection. The world says to you, it is impossible for you to rise again. Dead people do not come back to life. The Bible says, it is impossible for you to stay dead. It is impossible, impossible for you to stay dead if you are a Christian because your sin is done for. So don't fear death. Meditate upon the resurrection of Jesus Christ and say with the Apostle Paul, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Yes, I'll stay and serve the one I love who set me free from that prison cell in hell for all eternity. Of course, I'll stay for now, but I'm not afraid to die because I know it's impossible 
for death to keep its grasp, its hold upon me. And when fearful, I will sing that third verse of Wesley's hymn, which we're about to sing in your bulletins here this morning. The third verse, which is so famous to so many in the, song, in the hymn, And Can It Be? This is what we sing. Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke, the dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off, my heart was free. I rose, went forth and followed thee. My chains fell off, my heart was free. I rose, went forth and followed thee. That's a description of the believer in Jesus Christ. He's no longer chained up by death. The cords have been loosed and his heart rises up. It is free and he goes forth and follows the Lord Jesus Christ. And we follow him now and one day we will follow him in his resurrection. First fruits. Yes, Jesus is the first. He has that privilege of rising first. But we all will rise in him. We will follow him in his resurrection. Rejoice in that fact not just on Easter Sunday, but every day of every year. Let's come to God in prayer now. Let's speak with him. Heavenly Father, we praise you as the God who raised Christ from the dead. You freed him from the agony of death because it was impossible, impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Thank you for giving so many of us in this room faith this morning so that it is now impossible for death to keep its hold on us. Help us to dwell on Christ's resurrection more and more and rejoice every day that we will follow him in his resurrection. And if there's anyone here this morning, O oh Lord, who still fears death, who still is afraid of their death and afraid of the judgment that is to come, who knows they have sinned against you and knows that after the grave they will be punished, Lord, we ask that you would grant them faith now so they can look forward to being raised with Christ Jesus so that they can sing. Their chains fell off, their heart is free. They rose, went forth and have followed thee. Amen.